God, we thank you for this time we've come together to worship. We've been able to give you, God, we pour so many things out of our life throughout the week. God, we pour energy out. We pour sometimes complaints and frustrations and bitterness. And God, I'm thankful this morning we could just pour out praise to you. God, to thank that no matter where we've come from in life, that yesterday can be gone, that there's always hope for a new beginning, that there's always hope of redemption and your grace and mercy are bigger than the law and sin could ever dream of being if we just come to you and put our faith in you. God, we pray this morning you'd open our hearts to your word. God, we'd open our hearts to you. We know you leave the 99 and pursue us. God, let us be reminded this moment in time that there's no coincidence, there's no accidents, there's no all happened to be there, God, that you speak to people through time and circumstances. God, we ask that we'd see that presence in our life today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. We're going to move into uh, our message uh, this morning. Um, I, I love that last song. I don't sing it as well as Waylon. Uh, he wasn't here today. and um, <laughs> I, pre- I was not fishing for compliments. Uh, it's just a little intimidating singing after he started singing it. Uh, but the truth in that song is so powerful. It's so powerful and such a strong reminder uh, for us, because we we will put our hope in so many other things, and uh, our hope uh, we we will put it uh, in our provisions. We'll put it in our work. We'll put it in our abilities. We'll put it in our political party. We'll put it in political leaders. We'll put it in so many different things. And it, I think it's important to bring us back to zero and say real hope. For this world and for you exists in only one person, and that is Jesus Christ. This morning we're uh, we're continuing a series we started at the beginning of July. We've almost got it wrapped up. Probably going to wrap up uh, next week as we followed started in Exodus chapter one, and we followed uh, the story of Moses in a sermon series we're calling "Following God into the Unknown," um, and uh, it, we are. We've skipped a few chapters here this morning. We're going to move to, we, we did Exodus 15 last week, and we're going to Exodus 19 uh, this week, and then really spending some time in Exodus chapter 20. Uh, hey, somebody's playing some, I'm getting sung down already. I just started. Uh, uh, this morning, we, we've got a message called Identity Crisis. As we look at the children of Israel here as they struggle with, uh, struggle with some things, and uh, it's, it's kind of a, a timely message. Bethany, my wife, was just talking to me uh, Friday or maybe yesterday morning. I can't remember. And uh, you, know, you all know my personal transition is going on with work. I've, uh, I've turned in uh, my resignation and in the process of transitioning out of my, my full-time job. And uh, she said, I just want to, she's constantly checking on me. You know, this was a, a big life decision for us to make. And she's constantly saying, are you... Are you sure you're okay with this? Are we doing the right thing? You feeling good about it? And every day I'm feeling good. And she said, uh, said Friday, she said, I'm really worried you're going to have some type of identity crisis of, of who you were and what you were doing. And now, like, the world's going to be totally 
different. And I said, well, I'm preaching on it Sunday. <laughs> she didn't know what the title of the sermon was uh, yet for this coming Sunday, and she started laughing. And, uh, and so this, this, was, uh, this is something that you know, we all struggle with, this question of who are you? Who are you? And so, so often we're, we're quick to answer that with our, our job title uh, or different things. And we're, we're, it's really hard to wrap your mind around who are you really? No, at the core, who really, who are you? And there, there's a few things that this can come from that can define our identity. Uh, one is place, right? We are... Uh, Maybe you say, I'm an American, depending on who you're talking to, or you're from Kentucky, or you're, you're, you're a Southerner, or you're a Northerner, and, and all those things mean different things to different people, right? I mean, I mean in Kentucky, if you meet somebody, uh, if you know somebody from Lexington, oh, they're from the Golden Triangle, I'm from Eastern Kentucky, you meet that same person in Boston, and hey, we're both from Kentucky, right? You see what I'm saying? Like, identity can really be wrapped up in the place that you're from. Uh, or maybe it's Appalachian, like we are here in these mountains. We're from rural Kentucky, and maybe that is part of what defines who you are or maybe begins to try to define who you are. The other thing is status, right? Uh, it could be our job. It could be, you know, maybe you, maybe you came from a, a family with money. Maybe you came from a family with nothing. Maybe you came from middle class. I came from, from middle class. Both my parents were the first in their families to get a college degree. There were two-year degrees. Um, but prior to that, both my parents came from nothing primarily. They were, uh, you know, they, 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 they were the first to start to make a transition. Or maybe, and maybe that defines you and your status or the job that you have, and, and, and things change. Or maybe it's, uh, maybe it's the family. Maybe you're, you're defining yourself as so-and-so's son or, or grandson, and, 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 or maybe you're defining yourself as I'm Rosie's dad. You know, that's at, at, the, at the ball games and stuff, that's who I am. I'm Rosie's dad. And we, we can sometimes define our identity by our family. And then another difficult one really is a season. We can, we can define our identity by season. This is really the one that, that we're working through right now. Is right in life we go through seasons of change, and you you go from single to married. You go from high school student to maybe college student. You go from college student to maybe professional student, or you go from student to work. Man, that's a fun season, isn't it? I remember that nobody, no, you cannot prepare people for that one from college to work. Or maybe you've gone from working to retired. Maybe you've moved on in the, the, the years in life and you used to be a parent, now you're a grandparent. Right? There's seasons of life that can begin to identify us and how we identify ourselves. Who are you? And I ask you this morning, who are you? What are the values? And, and just, be, just be thinking about that. You know, we can also let some things that shouldn't define us define us, and that's failures, mistakes. Uh, and, and maybe we come from a family that we're not so proud of, and we feel like we're, 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 we're just going to bring that with us in life, and it always haunts us. Um, 
Or maybe it's the color of skin that can begin, we can begin to build an identity around. I, I struggled for some time in my job. There's a thing out there. I didn't know what it was. I struggled with it for some time. It's called imposter syndrome. Y'all ever heard of it? Imposter syndrome? Like you, you spend days, think you work extra hard because you think somebody's going to find out you're not really who you are. You're not really competent to do what you're doing. Um, and, and you struggle with that. So this identity thing is something I've struggled with. Maybe none of you all struggle with who you are and how you fit in and how you fit in social circles and with people um, and what your identity is. But I want to tell you this story. I want to finish it about the children of Israel because they struggled with this exact thing. Because the first half of Exodus is about liberating the children of Israel from a place. He brings them out of Egypt, rescues them from a place. In all reality, they are no longer a slave, okay? But from this point forward, he begins having to liberate their mindset. Okay, these are are two totally different things. They are out of Egypt, but Egypt is not out of them. And this can happen to you. It can happen to me. Uh, and uh, this reminds me of uh, Adam, honestly, my brother-in-law. Y'all, many of you know Adam. Uh, you know, we, we, we went on vacation a, a few weeks ago, and uh, our family, him and Amber, and then Bethany and Amber's mom and dad, the three of us always split a place. We save all year long, and we go stay at this place down in North Carolina called the uh, Old Town Yacht Club, town with an E. This is fancier than any place we should ever be, right? I mean, we're all from the heads of hollers in, uh, in, in Kentucky. And, uh, and, I mean, there's a couple of times just at the pool and Adam's mullet just always it made me start thinking about this. You can take us out of Kentucky, right? But you can't take Kentucky out of us. I mean, we're just there. Uh, you know, we rented somebody else's condo for a week and we're just there they got all their boats and doing all this stuff and we're just doing cannonballs in the pool that's the way we work and this is what was happening with the children of Israel they 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 had been they'd been rescued out of slavery but they they just couldn't wrap their minds around that they they they'd accepted it, but they couldn't wrap their their minds around it and so that's what we want to talk about this morning um and, oh, here's the thing we did. You know, there's all kinds of tests that can try to tell you who your identity is. Y'all ever heard of Myers-Briggs? Uh, this is one called Predictive Index. This is like you take this test. It's like a personality test, and it tells you who it is. This was my results. Apparently, I'm an individualist, highly independent and persistent while remaining results-oriented. I don't like authority or self-control. It, like, yeah, that's probably, it's, it was pretty accurate, honestly. But as human beings, who have, this is for those of you who have given your life to Christ, we are going to struggle on this earth because we're in this mortal body that was built to be here. Yet our spirits and our soul, we've, we, God is living inside of us, and the sin and the death that is to be caused. Uh, that is brought forward by sin, we've already lived through, essentially. God has given us this new creation, and He is living inside of us. And, 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 and literally, we are part of Him, yet we're in this mortal, sinful body. 
And so you struggle with this identity, man, who am I? Because you'll constantly, you'll realize I'm out of slavery, I'm out of the law, I'm not stuck in that, I have God's grace on my life. But we'll constantly be going back and feeling pressure to be, to live up to par. Or we'll constantly be wanting to go back and do the things that we did before. And it'll be this constant battle until we're home. And so let's look at these verses uh, in Exodus 19, verse 2. These are really important verses in the whole of Christianity and the Bible. Uh, This is is what is beginning and is what is known as in theology as the Mosaic Covenant. Uh, I'm not going to go deep into theology this morning, but it's important to make a note. This is one of the, the, the four critical Old Testament covenants that God made with his people. Uh, leading up to the new covenant of the New Testament. A covenant is a promise. God offers something here to the children of Israel who have been rescued. Um, and, and, and if they will do something, he will give them something. And so let's look at this. They set out from Rephidim and came into the wilderness of Sinai. And they encamped in the wilderness. There Israel encamped before the mountain. While Moses uh, went up to God, the Lord called to him out of the mountain, saying, Thank you, or thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the people of Israel. Wait just for a minute. This is the wilderness of Sinai. You've got to get the little things God puts in here in these stories. Uh, if you remember many, many weeks ago when we, were, we, when we were with Moses and he was at the burning bush, who was there with us in that one? Y'all remember that? Uh, that was on Mount Sinai. Okay. And here Moses has wandered, uh, he, he's been to Egypt, he's been through all the plagues, he's crossed the Red Sea, he's taken God's way uh, instead of his way on the path to Canaan. And, 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 and here, as God has led them, he has brought them back to this mountain where the conversation originally started with God. I don't know about you, but me, I would be thinking, man, God, it's, it's just this, uh, another reminder of how big God is. And so here they are. Uh, getting ready to go up. Uh, God calls him back up on this mountain, and he's wanting to talk to the children of Israel through Moses. Here's what God begins to say. You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine. I want you to think about that verse just for a minute before we move on. If if you obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession. Can you imagine being God's treasured possession? Do you have something that you treasure so much you protect it uh, besides money, just something in your life that is treasured that that you just want to take care of. And, and to hear God speak that way uh, is just moving for me, that they will become his treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. All right, remember, this is God speaking to a bunch of slaves in their minds. Okay, they've been in Egypt for 400 and some years. Generations have passed. I want to talk to you about the danger of time. (laughs) 
the danger of time as children of Israel were in Egypt and generation after generation. Maybe they forgot a little bit more about the story of Joseph and how God had rescued his people and brought them to Egypt in the first place. And yet just day after day of being in a ritual and a grind and being out of communication and close communication with God, they began to forget who they were. Time is a dangerous, dangerous thing. One day leads to two days, leads to a week, leads to two weeks. As they brought their communication to a halt with God and they had completely forgotten who they were. And God's getting ready to have to, uh, he's getting ready to have to work really hard to get them to remember. You are not a slave. You are going to be a, pre, uh, a nation of priests and a holy nation. He has chosen Israel at this point, the nation of Israel. Just a quick reminder, Israel was a person. These are all his descendants. They came from Abraham. This is part of the Abrahamic covenant, part of the Noah, uh, the Noah's, God's covenant with Noah. This is all connected as the way God is going to bring salvation and hope to mankind. He tells them, I've chosen you as my chosen people and my nation. You're going to become a priest and be a priest of holy nations. Children of Israel, in verse 8, they said, All the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. <laughs> Man, that sounds so, so much easier. And some of you are laughing because you know the rest of Exodus. You know the rest of the story of the children of Israel. This was, uh, this was not the new covenant of grace. This was a very specific covenant. When you are being good, Israel, when you're obeying my commands, I will bless you. When you are disobeying my commands, you are going to face difficult days. And we see the children of Israel go throughout the next decades. This nation, finding home in the promised land, Canaan, this piece of land he'd promised Abraham, living there, flourishing. And then we find them turned to other gods, and we see Babylonians coming in and taking them into captivity. We see this back and forth of their obedience and disobedience. And so God begins to set something that he's going he's to differentiate and separate them from the other nations. So how does he do it? Exodus chapter 20. We're going to have some fun real quick. Y'all been studying? Who went to Sunday school? Can y'all talk? Can y'all see that a little bit? You probably won't be able to see it real well. In chapter 20, one of the most popular things uh, of the Old Testament or what happens in Exodus chapter 20? The Ten Commandments. Uh, they're also listed uh, in, in either Deuteronomy or Leviticus. I just forgot. Um, but this is the, uh, the initial place where Moses, God gives these to Moses. He brings it back and gives it to the children of Israel. Chapter 20 through 23 or 24, I think, are additional rules and laws and expectations that the children of Israel are supposed to keep up. Listen, y'all are going to group think here and see if you can come up with the Ten Commandments. I mean, this shouldn't be that hard, right? Who's got one? Who, all right, give me one. No lying. So they're really broken down. There's four about our relationship with God, and there are six about our relationship with others. This one is uh, others. No lying or, uh, I just picked one I can't spell. I spell lying. No, don't bear false witness. Don't bear false witness. I spell that. 
That's one. No other gods before me. That's two. What'd you say, Patty? No murder. Don't kill people. <laughs> Don't kill. All right. Oh, that's three. Honor thy father and thy mother. That's four. I'm not writing this so you can read it because I can't read it. No idols, no graven images. That's five. What else? What are we missing? Yep, I got that one. Yep. Don't steal. Y'all come up with 11. Yeah, adultery. What was it? The Sabbath. Yeah. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Oh, this is a mess, guys. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. We'll call that one eight, nine. Is the Sabbath. No. Sabbath. We're missing one. What are we missing? I got don't covet. What? Name in vain. That's it. Yep, I got it. Don't take God's name in vain. All right, that is a mess of the Ten Commandments. We did it. Give yourselves a hand. That's pretty good. I think three of you pulled that one off. We didn't get much help from the rest, but we got it. And nobody was reading their Bible, right? Do y'all cheat? No, okay. But we got it, okay? So this is about relationships between God and us and relationships between us and others, okay? So you got no other gods before me, he tells them that. I'm not going to go verse by verse in chapter 20. You can read He says, no other gods before me. They'd come from Egypt where they served every kind of God. And, I mean, it was just one after another. This one for that. This one for water. This one for the river. This one for the sun. This one, all these gods, right? And he's telling them, I've proved to you who I am. Okay, you've seen it. You've experienced it. It's time to not put anything else before me. No other gods before me. He tells them no graven images. He tells them to remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. He said, hey, I, I, I created the world in six days and I took a break. Remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy, and don't use my name in vain. It's that holy, it's that important. My name is that important. Use it reverent, uh, with reverence. And then he says, don't bear false witness, which is essentially lying. It was specifically talking about in a court of law. Uh, it was about honesty. It could be telling a lie. It could be, uh, like we like to sneak it in and just withholding the truth. Yeah, that's the same thing as bearing false witness. Or maybe we tell half the truth, or we pretend like we just didn't really know. Like we can, hey, we're creative human beings. We can find ways to lie, uh, and and try to try to meet the requirement. Don't kill or don't murder. Honor your parents. 
Don't steal. Don't covet. Don't commit adultery. Is that it? Did we get them all? Is that 10? I think we got 10. Yeah. Yeah, that is, uh, that is, Jesus says that all of these, he gives that and says all of these hang on that one. That's when he gives love all your heart, love God with all your heart. He said, if you're doing that and you love your neighbor, right, that's God and others. If you love them, then you won't steal from them. Hey, buddy. Uh, then, then all of these hang on, he says all the laws hang on that one commandment. So why did God give the Israelites these laws? And if you were like me, uh, I grew up in, in somewhat of a, a legalistic approach to Christianity. And that the law became this thing that you had to live up to to make God happy. And that's the way it was in the Old Testament. It wasn't for salvation. It was for blessing for the nation of Israel. If they would live up to these things and obey his commandment, hey, buddy, I'm sorry. That's my son. Um, if, if they would live up to these things, he would bless them. Living like this was going to make the children of Israel be more close to the image of God. Okay? God wanted to show the rest of the world, the other nations, what he looked like, how he acted, how he behaved, what true righteousness looked like. He knew that the children of Israel... This nation was never going to be able to live up to this. They were never going to be able to do it perfect. They would go through seasons of, of righteousness, and then they'd turn right back. I mean, it doesn't even take long in, in chapter 32 when God, when, when in Exodus chapter 32, and I think I've got it on here. I don't have it on here, I don't think. Nope. Um, but Exodus 32, when, when uh, Moses is up on the mountain and he brings the actual the tablets, right, the stone tablets that God wrote on himself, the laws, the rules, his covenant. And, and Moses comes back down the mountain. He'd been up there so long. Listen what had happened. The nation of Israel, they thought, man, Moses has been gone so long. He's been up on that mountain so long. I mean, we don't know what happened to him. And he goes, they go to Aaron, who was Moses' brother, and they say, listen, we got something to worship. Can you, can you create us an idol, a God? And they and, and so Aaron relents, and he takes all their gold, and he melts it down. They turn it into the golden calf. What are you talking about? God just brought you through the Red Sea. How? This is you and me, though. This is you and me. This morning, we're all going to be, I, my identity is in Jesus Christ. And then Monday hits, and the emails start, and the job starts, and work starts, and school starts. And we forget that fast. So Moses comes down. He's got his tablets. He's excited. God's doing all these things. He's going to bless us, and he gets back down. I mean, imagine Moses. And there's a golden calf that they're all worshiping. I mean, what would you do? He gets madder and fire. He, he throws the tablets down, and they bust. He starts yelling, they, they, they melt the calf down, he sprinkles it in the water and makes them drink it. This law was never intended to bring salvation. 
in Romans in the New Testament, we find that the law was put in place to point and remind us and show us our sinful nature. It was put in place because God the Father had a plan to come through this nation of mistakes and imperfections and uh, I mean, we find that prostitutes get into the lineage of Jesus. God uses all these misfits and brings forth hope in Jesus Christ into this world. And that Jesus said, I didn't, I didn't come to destroy the law, right? He came to fulfill it. He came to fulfill the law, to do all the things that we as human beings cannot do. That we should use our inability to be perfect to point us to the need for Jesus Christ, for the need for grace and mercy. That was the point of this law. I, I, I want to say this, this series, Following God into the Unknown, is uh, this isn't just about any one situation in your life. It isn't about some specific thing that God is calling you to do. Let me, let me just say that it is life. It is life with Christ. It is into the unknown every single day. It is having enough confidence and faith in him and trust in him to know I'm just stepping out. I'm trusting you. I put my hope. I put my faith in you. And so who are we? Who are we? It's not about where we're from. It's not about how much money we do have or don't have. It's not about who our family is. It's not about what season of life that you're in. See, you'll think your background, your history, and all this stuff, it'll come back and it'll keep speaking to you. It'll keep calling you out and, and, and it'll keep telling you you're a slave to the law. You're a slave to sin. It'll tell us you'll feel like in life you've been rejected, you've been abandoned. It'll tell you in life you've been orphaned. And yet we find truth in the New Testament about who we are. When we put our faith in Jesus Christ, what happens is we find out that while we, we choose Christ, we find that he also chose us. That we are chosen. That these, these, the Israelites that were so quick... The Hebrews that were so quick to just put together, let's throw us together a golden calf and start worshiping that, that God chose them. He knew that was going to happen, yet he still chose them. We can find through the grace of Jesus Christ that we are not rejected, that we are accepted. I have put things before God. I, one time at a gas station when I was a kid on vacation, got down the road and had a Snickers in my pocket.
I've withheld the truth when I should have told it. I've probably said God's name in a time I shouldn't have in ways that I shouldn't have. There have been many times in my life before I became a pastor, before I became a strong Christian, there, there, uh, there was times I didn't, even, uh, I didn't even know if I believed in God. Let me tell you, Sunday didn't mean anything to me other than the rest of the week. It was just another day. I didn't do that. I've not, I've not killed anybody. <laughs> just want to make that clear. Anybody watching? I've probably looked at things and said more than, well, I'd like to have that. I've probably looked at things other people have got, whether it was their home or car or whatever it might be. Their ox, I think. it's <laughs> been jealous of my neighbor's oxes. But I've probably looked at that and thought, that's not fair. I mean, I'm working hard. I should have that. Just for Bethany. And all of y'all have not committed adultery. This ain't enough. This ain't enough to get to heaven. I mean, maybe some of y'all here can check, every, put circles on everyone and say, I've never done that. One sin. One sin makes us unholy. Unholy people can't come to a holy God. You can't communicate with a holy God. But you can through a mediator. See, the same thing that was happening here on Mount Sinai was Moses was being a mediator for the children of Israel. He was going between them and God. Jesus does the same thing for us. I know I'm accepted, I'm forgiven, I'm chosen. It's all right, Jared, that Snickers. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't pay, I didn't go pay them back. I think I did finally tell my parents. Uh, in that moment, it was pretty hard for me to honor them because I don't think they were very happy. Um, but there have been times I've not honored my parents. But I'm forgiven. I'm chosen. I've been delivered from slavery of the curse of sin, which is eternal death, eternal separation from God. I now have hope for eternity to be with God simply because I put my faith in Jesus Christ. That's our identity. It has to be first in him. All those other things do speak to who we are and make a difference in our character and how we live our life. But all those things, people should see the difference when we put our faith in Jesus Christ. It should be reflected in the way that we live. He says we'll make, over time, when the Spirit comes to live inside of us, we'll do less and less of these, <laughs> right? But we don't become perfect immediately, but over time we become closer and closer to being closer to the righteousness of Jesus Christ. All right, if you'd stand, we're going to close this morning uh, with a reminder, a song. That simply says, 
Jesus paid it all. 